Hey, thanks for tuning into our podcast today. My name is Derek Puckett. I'm the lead pastor at Renewal Church of Chicago. If you want to know more information about us, you can head to our website at RenewalChicago.com. I pray today that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. Well, as we get into this passage today, we got to spend a little bit of time in the context. And the reason we have to do that is because we have to look at what it looks not to really be. It looks like not to really be a follower of Jesus if we're going to understand what it means to truly be yoked to Jesus. And what I mean by that is, what does it mean to truly follow Jesus and to be with him? And so the context of this passage begins with John the Baptist. Love John the Baptist. He's imprisoned here by Herod Antipas. And John is awaiting his presumed death, and he sends some messengers. He says, go ask Jesus if he's the one we've been waiting for, or is there somewhere else we are supposed to be looking? Jesus sends the messengers back to John the Baptist, and he tells them these things. He says, the, the, the blind receive sight, the, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor hear the good news. John receives this news from them, him as confidence, because everything that Jesus said was already written in the Old Testament about the Messiah that is to come. So he's giving him confidence in who he actually is. That's what he's doing for John. And let me ask you, how many of us know sometime, no matter how much you, so, you know something to be true, sometimes you just need to be affirmed a bit. So, sometimes you need to be reminded of that truth that you already know. And that's, what's exactly, that's exactly what's happening in this passage. See, J- Jesus is affirming John, and because of this, John has the confidence he needs to go to his death, confessing who Jesus, Jesus is. And Jesus continues in chapter 11, and he proceeds to speak about the ministry of John the Baptist and how folks dismiss this ministry. And he compares the people that dismissed John the Baptist's ministry to a group of fussy children that were never satisfied. Y'all stay with me. I promise I'm coming to your neighborhood. All of this context will make sense in just a moment. Jesus then begins to denounce the unrepentant cities because these cities had seen the move of God, but yet they still rejected Jesus. Like we said last week, both the people that saw the ministry of John the Baptist or have seen the ministry of Jesus in these cities that he's denouncing, they both missed Jesus. They wanted or were looking for something else. And hear this. Many folks not only miss Jesus, they believe that they didn't need him because in their minds, they thought they knew more than Jesus already. In fact, even after seeing the works of Jesus, you, you read and you study a little bit. Even after they, they've heard him speak or they've seen him do things, they continue to worship other gods. Gods like Baal. Baal is the god of rain and the fertility of the land. And see, if, if, if you were to research it, you would see that these people, as they turn their hearts away from God and they turn to these idols or they turn to these, these different gods and they worship them, all of them were for their personal or individual gain. See, the people turned to where they believed they would find more life, if you want to say, or life to the full, because many of these idols spoke to immediate gratification. Take, for instance, the God of Baal. God of Baal, fertility of the land, the rain God. If you were involved in some kind of agriculture or you were growing some crop of some kind back then, which most people were, 
at the moment, then it makes sense to worship Baal because he's the God of the fertility of the land and the God of rain. And, and, and because of that, when you worship him, you see immediate gratification, even if it's not real, because it rains all the time. You're experiencing the so-called blessings of this God because when it rains, your crops start to grow, which now equals money in your pockets. You see where I'm going with this one? See, people didn't really want to worship Jesus. They didn't want to worship Jesus because he was preaching the kingdom of God and eternal life. And for most of the people, that was so far out of their minds to believe, especially in the midst of the time of persecution from the Romans and the pressing everyday needs. See, Jesus, you talking about heaven? <laughs> I need some help right now. Wait, 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 Jesus, you talking about living water? <laughs> Jesus, I'm thirsty right now. Give me some water. Follow me, family. Too many times we get so wrapped up in the right now that we miss what Jesus might be trying to teach us or where the, he's trying to take us. Our temporal wants begin to outweigh our long-term needs. Come on, somebody. I, it, it, it's, it, it's sort of like someone desiring to be a millionaire, but they can't take care of the $20,000 that they're getting on a yearly basis. I mean, if you can't take care of $20,000, what are you going to do with a million dollars? You don't have a budget. As soon as the money comes in, it goes out faster than it came in. Even if you get the raise or the money that you're longing for, what benefit will you have from it if you never learn how to steward the little bit that you have right now? It's kind of like the great notorious B.I.G. used to say back in the day, say, more money, more problems. Friends, what I'm trying to get at is that because we get so wrapped up in the temporal, we miss the blessing of knowing Jesus right now. We miss the moments with Jesus. We never learn how to be content because with, with, with Jesus because when we get to those low points in our lives, we, we don't turn to God. No, we turn to our own work or we turn someplace else, something that's going to give us immediate positivity or gives us provision immediate. And we miss the provision of God. And therein lies the funny thing about this season that we're in right now with COVID-19. And I'm not sure about you all. But yeah, this is a season that we're not about to get out of really quickly. Which means we're going to be in this for a bit. Which is why this series is so important, because I don't want us to miss a moment with God. There's something he wants to teach us. This all brings us to the text today because Jesus switches gears from denouncing people and cities. And he begins in verse 25 and he says, I thank you, Father, for hiding things from the wise and understanding and revealing them to the little children. Now, the question becomes, well, what is Jesus saying here? What Jesus is trying to get at is that in order to truly grasp the things of God or the truths of God, if you may, it takes faith. It takes faith. And hear me, because I don't want to lose you in this. Y'all need to stick with me. Stay with me. 
It's not that he doesn't want to share himself or hasn't with those that deem themselves to be intelligent. That's not what he's getting at. But what he's really getting at is that the message of heaven and entering into the body of faith does not include our earthly intelligence or wisdom, but instead it involves faith and repentance. Jesus sums this up. In other words, he's, he's saying it, it, it's only two words, faith and repentance. What that means is you got to believe and you need to constantly run after Jesus over and over again, turning away from those things that you know you shouldn't be chasing after and instead turning to Jesus and believing faith and repentance. Friends, many times in our lives, our wisdom and our intelligence arrogantly gets in the way of what we what we are supposed to really experience with Jesus. We're, we can't really truly experience the good things that God might have for us because our own intelligence and our own wisdom and our own arrogance is getting in the way. And hear me, this, this is a problem in America, especially in a blue-collar town like Chicago. And although we may have more than 35 Fortune 500 companies here, in Chicago, we didn't start that way. We weren't a big business town. No, 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 no. We were a town that grew from the steel industry and the fur industry and, and Chicagoans. Because of that, we, we work hard. And this bloodline, it, it trickles all the way through the DNA of this city. And we're gritty, which, 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 hear me, makes it hard to truly follow Jesus. Because if everything around me tells me that if I work hard, I can... I can succeed, or if I work hard, I can make it. If that's true, then why in the world do I need to believe in God? Why do I need to believe in God who's not even necessarily going to help me today, but in the future? Why do I need to believe in him? And friends, hear me, if I'm honest... It's that same arrogant wisdom that keeps most of us from experiencing the richness of God's glory from believing. See, the Lord, he's not malicious. But if you believe you don't need him, then God, he's like, cool, I'll step back then. I'll let you think you, you, you got it for a moment. And here's the reality. That should make sense to us. We actually should understand him stepping back. I mean, sometimes... <laughs> because sometimes, family, we think that it doesn't matter what we do. God, he's going to keep chasing me, and one day I'm going to submit. He's going to keep coming after me. No, that ain't the way it works. Sometimes God will let you think you got it until you find out you don't got it and you actually need him. Let me put it this way. It's kind of like if someone... It's constantly rejecting you over and over again. Some of you guys have been there. You, someone's constantly rejecting you over and over again. If you're in your right mind after so many rejections, and I got to say right man because right mind because sometimes we don't we don't we don't get this rejection thing. But someone in their right mind after right mind after being rejected so many times, eventually you're gonna wash your hands and you're gonna keep it moving. You can keep it moving, friends. Hear me. Jesus is not going to beg you to follow him. No, no, no. 
See, and, and that's the problem with this American Christianity that we're in. I'm going to get on my soapbox a little bit. I need y'all to stay with me. American Christianity, especially in this pandemic, because we've gotten so used to a faith that I like to call cruise ship mentality or cruise ship faith, where we just mosey on in the church and, and the coffee is hot and the music is just right and the word was on point and it felt just like we wanted to be. It was the Sunday of me. But now the church is online and I got to watch it through my TV screen and I can't go into church and have my hot coffee made for me. Oh, no, the world is ending. And hear me, if I could keep being honest for a moment, and I'm not trying to belittle our situation at all. COVID-19 and the pandemic, it's real. People are dying and they're getting sick every day. This is a real situation that we're in. And so hear me talking about the church, not our situation. We need to be prayerful for our pan the pandemic we're in and the people around us. But I'm talking about the church and how we, how we are running after Jesus right now. What's our individual relationship look like with him? When I, when I read the book of Acts and I flip back to the early church, again, not belittling our situation, I'm pretty sure the early church would say, oh, we'll switch spots with you. Wait a second, you, you just telling me all we got to do is obey the law and, and sit up in our houses and keep a mask on and, and I can flip on my TV and I can, I can watch the greatest preachers around. I, you, I can just flip on Paul today or I can flip on my man Barnabas or any of the apostles. I can just watch them and I, I can have TV ready made for me and, and my, my church is exactly the way I want. But no, no, no. When you look at and you read the, the research around what was happening to the early church, they couldn't really leave their houses and keep talking about Jesus because if they mentioned that they were believers of Jesus, they might be burned at a stake or thrown off a cliff or beheaded for their faith. But friends, some of us hear me, we're missing Jesus in this season because things aren't the way we like it. Family, that's the lie of America. That's the lie of this Christianity that we sit in here. Welcome to the reality, family, hear me, that most people face all around the world. We're one of the only nations, don't hear me just bashing where I live and all that, but you got to think about this. We're one of the only nations that can be so bad, but yet so great at the same time. It doesn't make any sense. We're one of the wealthiest nations but also have an immense amount of poor and disenfranchised people. We're a diverse people group all over the nation, but yet one of the most racist nations in the world. Violence today is, is, is almost as bad as it's ever been, but yet we're still a great nation. Ain't nothing great about that. That's confusion, complication at its best. We need Jesus. And somehow we've gotten to a place where we've, we've tuned out reality and we believed what we want to believe. And the sad truth about this is that we've done the same thing with Jesus and Christianity. And because things look and they feel different, we're not in fellowship anymore. We're not going to church anymore. We're not talking to believers anymore. We've turned elsewhere to get our needs met because we can get it immediately here or we think we can find what we want here, which inevitably leaves us wanting more and disfatigating 
satisfied because we weren't made for anything else but God in order to, we were made to worship him. But yeah, because it's not what we like. I've turned other places. Family, just like the folks in this text, I believe we can miss the richness of a relationship with Jesus because for the first time in our Christian walk, our relationship with Jesus is not like Burger King. Can't have it our way. But hear me, Jesus hasn't left. We might just be missing him. And for some of us, we've been missing him for a very long time. And see, here it is, family. As we enter into this series, many of us have not truly understood what it means to truly be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Or should I say, many of us have not truly understood what it means to follow Jesus with every ounce of us. We're missing him, just like the people in those cities missed him. And just like they missed the ministry of John the Baptist here in the text. We're missing him. Diedrich Bonhoeffer in his book, The Cost of Discipleship, he says it this way. Look at these words with me. He says, the cross is laid on every Christian. The first Christ's suffering, which every man must experience, is the call to abandon the attachments of this world. It is that dying of the old man, which is the result of his encounter with Christ. As we embark upon discipleship, we surrender ourselves to Christ in union with his death. We give over our lives to death. Thus it begins. The cross is not the terrible end to an otherwise God-fearing and happy life, but it meets us at the beginning of our communion with Christ. Listen to this. When Christ calls a man, he bids him. Come and die. When Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. It's tough. And friends, this is, this is why I believe many of us miss Jesus. We miss him because he calls us to a life that's diametrically opposed to life as we know it or the American way. The people in this text felt that as Jesus is speaking. And we feel that tension more than ever today. We don't want to follow Jesus without letting go of who we are or who we've made ourselves out to be. So what we do is we try to make Christianity fit inside of our own reality. And the problem is that an infinite God was never meant to fit inside of finite Reality, it doesn't work. In some point, maybe that's now, at some point the rubber has to meet the road of whether or not you're truly going to follow Jesus or you're not. And for many of us, like I said, many of us, that time is now because COVID-19 has messed up our norm, our reality everything around us. Friends, hear me. Don't miss Jesus. 
This all leads back to the text and where we're going in this series, because hopefully the question should be, okay, Pastor D, I, I get you. you. You got my attention. You're all up in my kitchen. How do I truly follow Jesus? Verse 25, Jesus says, thank you for hiding these truths and revealing them to the little children. Now, with this family, Jesus is not saying we must be a child in order to follow him or experience his goodness. No, that's not what he's saying. What he's saying is that just like a child accepts their parents' word without hesitation or thinking, they just follow him. We must come to believe and trust God even when we don't like it or we don't feel like it's the right way to go. We trust and believe. Hear me. Many of us, we're sitting in COVID-19 right now and can and we can't figure out which way to go. We're trying to figure out right now the moves we need to make. Should I invest my money here or should I save my money? Should I buy this or should I not? Should I date or should I not? Should I vote Republican or should I vote Democrat? We're just sitting around and we're shooting ourselves to death. I know y'all just laugh. I did not curse. We're shooting ourselves to death, sitting in this place. And the question I got for you is, have you just tried being? Instead of working yourself up in a frenzy, have you, you just tried being? Have you just stopped? Have you slowed down at all? You see, many of us, the sad truth is that in this pandemic, we haven't slowed down at all, but instead life has sped up for us. And if it hasn't sped up physically, we've sped up mentally. Our minds just won't stop moving. We're not sleeping well. We can't slow down. So now that same arrogance that led to not trusting God is now just pure negligence. We're not even thinking about any God anymore because our minds are always elsewhere. Which should make us tired. Anybody tired this morning? You just keep going, your mind's continually going, you won't stop, you're just tired. Well, if that's you, let me help you. Follow me. Keep going with me in the text because the question becomes, well, okay, maybe I've fallen off. Maybe I've trusted into my, my own intuition a little bit too much. I've leaned into my own strength. But y'all, I'm not a child, Pastor D, nor do I think like one. I, I definitely don't trust like one. I, I've seen too much in my life. So how do I experience what God has for me? I'm glad you asked. Look back at the text, verse 27. Jesus says, all things have been handed over to me by my father, and no one except the son accepts the father, and no one knows the father except the son, and anyone to whom the son chooses to reveal him. Jesus simply says, the only way for you to have access to God and the things of God is through trusting and believing in me, Jesus. Jesus said, I am the only one who truly knows God, and he has placed all things into my hand. In essence, he's saying everything you wanted from God comes from me. 
Family, we live our lives searching for fulfillment and searching for satisfaction in all these different places. And in this text, Jesus says, look, you want true fulfillment? You want true satisfaction? It can only be found in me. Just come to me. You have to trust me. And through your trust and belief in me, you will experience all that you're looking for. Family, this this is where I, I believe Jesus would have grabbed the attention of the people that are sitting around hearing him go on this parade of comments of not following John and denouncing these cities all around. I, I believe they would have, they would he would have caught their attention by now. And, and if you're a reader or if you were sitting with Jesus right now, you, you probably would have saw him change his tone a bit. He changes his tone a bit in the text and he becomes more invitational because look at what he says next. He says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. How many of us could use some rest right now? Come on, think about the season. How many of us, as I said last week, or or just even in the last week, I mean, how many of you in the last week have just said, man, I, I just wish I could take a breather. Can I get a time out, God? How many of us feel emotionally or physically overwhelmed on a weekly basis, not just the day-to-day. We've been in this for a few months. How, how many of you feel that on a weekly basis? Well, if that's you, Jesus in the text, he's coming to your neighbor. He, he says in the text, come to me. When he says this, this, this phrase, this verb, that includes action. See, this isn't a passive verb where he's saying, if you want to come to me, you can come to me. No, no, no. This is a personal invitation to the one who's tired of living the way they have been living. And he's saying, I see you tired. I see you stressed. I see you confused. I see you unhappy. And he's personally inviting us in the text to leave whatever else we've been trusting in and come to him and follow him. He says, I will give you rest. But hear me, this ain't no Kit Kat break rest. No, no, this ain't that. This, this, is, this is an eternal rest. This is a soul satisfying rest. This is a rest that frees you from approval, a rest that frees you from the burden of carrying everything on your back. This is a rest that says, when I died for you on the cross, I already defeated every battle that you will face in your life. This is a rest that says, if you trust me, no matter what happens on this side of heaven, when all hell is breaking loose in your life, you can remember that I am God. That's rest. And guess what, family? Here's the good news. We don't have to do anything to earn that rest. He's saying, come to me. Just trust me. It's freely given. I've done all the work. Come to me and I'll give you rest. Now, I know some of you are asking, well, what what does that look like? We said it a few weeks ago, and the the secret to this rest, follow me with this, is, is one that's learned when we're dependent on God. It, 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 because when, we, when we're going through our mess and we're in these spaces and we, we learn to be dependent on God, th- this is where we learn to be content. See, contentment gives us a soul rest. But as I've already mentioned, many of us are not experiencing that type of rest 
Because instead of depending on God, we've been running to this thing or running to that thing, trying to find it here. We've been running in our own strength. And and here's the reality. You keep running after those things. The hamster wheel does not stop. It keeps going. Look at this quote from Tony Evans. We, We read it a few weeks ago, but I want to remind you what he says of contentment. He says, contentment means being satisfied and at rest about where God has you, despite what's happening around you. It's not natural or automatic. It must be learned. God teaches us contentment through the ups and the downs of changing circumstances. He wants us to learn to depend on him and his divine enabling no matter what. Now, family, hear me. This is tough. This is tough. And that doesn't matter who you are, how much money you make, what you look like or where you come from. This is tough. Everybody is wrestling with this contentment piece. We're we're wrestling with being discontent in this season. And I believe we either will come to a place in life where we understand God is ultimately in control and he's the one that gives us rest or we won't. And we'll we'll keep in this. We'll stay in this place where we believe, we'll never believe we have enough or we'll, we'll never believe we're enough. Jesus says, come to me and I'll, I'll give you rest. He keeps moving in the text because he knew you wouldn't get it there. He goes on to verse 29. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. To understand what Jesus is saying, we have to understand what a yoke is. Listen to this. A a yoke is a wooden bar harnessed to the necks of a pair of oxen to bring them under submission and enable them to do the work that a farmer has for them. Hear me. In order to train a younger ox, what they would do is they would attach him with this with this yoke to an older oxen that, that knew what to do. And so the younger one is attached to the older one as it shows them the ropes, this experienced ox. See, what Jesus is saying is that when you come to me, I'm not only with you, but we are now yoked together, which means that I am not only going to give you rest and a soul satisfying rest and salvation, but everything you go through in this life, I will be yoked to you. In other words, that means the believer is literally now one with Christ. Now, this is good news because when it gets hard, Jesus is saying he will be there to carry you through your mess. He's saying that when you can't see, I'll be the one to give you sight so you can see your way through. He's there to help you when you can't walk, when you feel like you cannot stand. He said, no, I will give you the strength to walk. And hear me, before we get all carried away with that because it's good news, but here's the thing. Sometimes we stop there in the text and we read it wrong because we read that part in the text and we say, well, well, okay, now that I got Jesus and I'm yoked together with Jesus, I got everything I need. I don't have to worry about nothing. That's not true. Notice the text does not say that you will experience burdens no more. Notice it doesn't say that you won't have problems anymore. No, no. What Jesus is saying is that although the circumstance will still be there, the burden of it will be lighter. It won't be as heavy. 
y'all follow me with this one. Y'all, y'all missing it. And so let me, let me try to make it a little bit more plain. It's kind of like using a dolly. I'm pretty sure all of us have moved or you've seen a dolly before. The dolly, you use that to pick up heavier objects. Well, think of it this way. I, I like to think of myself as a pretty strong guy. But if I tried to put my arms around a refrigerator, I'm talking about a household refrigerator. Ain't no way I can pick that refrigerator up by myself. But if I grab myself a dolly and I, I put that dolly up under the refrigerator and I lean that joint back on me, now the, the, the weight of the refrigerator is on the dolly and I can just dolly that refrigerator around all around the house and plug it wherever I want to. Some of y'all just missed that. Family, hear me. There are some of us going through some stuff right now. And we're carrying weights that are far too heavy for us. And Jesus is saying to you, just come to me and lean into my strength and we'll just dolly all around this thing called life. I got you. But the text gets better. Here's the part I love. When two oxen are yoked together, don't miss this. They're both working together. Although one is stronger and one is not being dragged while one is not being dragged, hear me, while the other one pulls. So you got the stronger one and the, the inexperienced one, but they're both working together. Don't miss this. Jesus, while he's carrying you through the mess of this life, he doesn't do it when you're unconscious. Ah, he does it when you're conscious, which means you're going through the mess with him. Now, why is that important? Two reasons I got for you. Number one, if you look at verse 29, Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. And when he says that, right after he says, so that you can learn. Don't miss that. He says, so you can learn from me. So hear me. Jesus doesn't just want to solve all of our problems for us. No, no. But he wants us to see and experience his sovereignty and goodness so that the next time a problem or a trial occurs in our life, we know exactly where to run to. It's sort of like that saying where if you give a man a fish, he can eat for a day. But if you teach him how to fish, he can eat for a lifetime. You see, Jesus wants us to understand that he's dependable. He's worthy of our contentment being in him. This means for us to understand, as Tony said earlier, we got to go through some stuff. We got to go through some things and, and we got to let him teach us what he needs to teach us. Which, which leads us into number two of why Jesus walks with us. And he doesn't just solve our problems. Hear me. Don't miss this. Follow me because here it is. When you trust Jesus and you submit to him and you watch him bring you through trial after trial, trials where you couldn't see your way through, what happens as a result is that you know for the rest of your life you can look back on that trial and you can look back and say, look at what God did. You remember that only God could have got me through that trial. And here's my prayer for us, family. One day, because we're in the midst of this pandemic, we'll be able to look back and say, man, look at what God did. It was only God that could bring us through this space of COVID-19. It was only God that could get us through this trial. And because of that family, seeing him bring us through that, it will keep us running after him for the rest of our lives. Family, don't miss him. 
Friends, I'm gone and I'm out your way. But as we enter into this series entitled Moments, that's just it. I don't want you to miss a moment with God. I don't want you to miss a moment. Give him your life. Give him all of you knowing that he's the same God that formed the heavens and the earth, the one that hung the stars in the sky, created you and me. He's an almighty God. And if that's true, there is nothing that my God can't handle. So as times get harder and we keep going through this pandemic and we get to the other side and we look back at it or even while in it, we can say it ain't got nothing on my God. Friends, let's not miss Jesus in this season. And let's together watch him carry us individually and corporately through this pandemic. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, you are an awesome God. And we thank you that it is a great and a good thing to follow you. That you're a God that's available, a God that sees us where we are. God that loves us. God, we thank you for your goodness. And God, I pray if there's someone listening right now or someone watching and they're struggling with their faith or maybe it's the first time they're saying, yo, that's me. I need to turn to God. I need rest. I need that soul satisfying rest that comes from him. Nothing else is giving it to me. I've been going everywhere and turning every place. Maybe you're a believer and that's been you too. God, I pray that they would know that you are right there with them, Jesus, and you're saying, come to me, and I'll give you rest. God, let us believe that. Let us believe that when the next trial comes up. Let us believe that when times get hard. Let us believe that you are God, and let us rest there. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. We all said amen. Amen. Thanks again for tuning into our podcast today. I pray that it was a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. I look to see you at one of our services at 930 or 11 a.m. on Sunday morning. Take care. God bless you.